Church, if you'll please go ahead and open your Bibles to Romans chapter 15, which should be familiar as that is where we've been for the last three weeks in a row, I believe, maybe just um, two, two, three weeks. But nonetheless, uh, here we are back in Romans chapter 15, and we find ourselves this morning on our Advent theme of peace. As we have made our way from hope and love and joy, and now here we find ourselves in peace. All things which Christ provides us in abundance, but it's, it's looking through his word, that we, which we have done and we will continue to do on into this evening, that to see how has he provided us those things, and then how do those things then inform how we live in light of Christ, at, in light of what he has done at Christmas and in coming to us, and then also in light of what he has done through cross and grave. We are a people who do not know peace. We do not know peace because our flesh fights against knowing our God and Creator. Now, to, to kind of break that statement down, we need to realize that that. In order for that to be true, it means that peace cannot be found in any other source other than our Creator and God. And that's the reality that we are faced with. And, that, and thus, we do not know peace in and of ourselves. We do not know peace uh, within this world that is broken because of the fall. And in reality, since the fall, there has never been a time... When this world has known peace. So where do we find it? Is the ultimate question. How is it attainable? Or was it attained? How, was it, how is it attainable or how was it attained? Well, this morning I bring you good news of great joy. That born for us in the city of David was a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This act of God's grace made peace for us. That is what I want us to see, and that is what I want us to know from the truth of God's word this morning. So I'll ask you to stand once again in honor of the reading of God's word as we read our text once again for this morning, coming from Romans chapter 15 and verse 13. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. This is the word of God. Let's pray, church. God, as we come to your word this morning and we see these themes, these Advent themes, which are far-reaching, far beyond simply this month in which we've been observing them and, and delving into them, but we see these things as consistent, everyday themes in our life in Christ. So God, I pray that you would help us to better see that and understand that as you've revealed it in your word this morning. And God, I pray that you would help us to abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit at work within us as you have filled us with all joy and peace through your ultimate act of love in Christ. Help us to grasp all of that this morning 
And may it forever impact not just the way we celebrate Christmas, but the way we live and celebrate every day in light of Christ. And I pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated, church. So, again, we find ourselves once again here in verse 13. So I want to remind us so that we can continue to track and not just kind of pull and isolate out anything, but rather to to get the entirety of what we are seeing laid out for us here. We began when we first looked at verse 13 with looking at the whole of this section here in which Paul is uh, expounding upon how Christ is the hope of both Jews and Gentiles. And what does that look like? And so you go back to verse 8 and he tells us, For I tell you that Christ became a servant. And so we broken that statement down many times, and we'll look at it again here this morning and later on into this evening. But he begins with that huge statement of Christ becoming a servant. And then he tells us who he became a servant to, to the circumcised, to show God's truthfulness. So not only do we learn who he became a servant to, but then we learn why. Why did he become a servant to the circumcised? To show God's truthfulness. The truthfulness of what? Of all that he had said and proclaimed and done throughout the entirety of his word. In order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs. And so we've looked at this, and specifically last week we kind of delved into how going all the way back to the patriarch of patriarchs, Abraham himself, and seeing God's covenant with Abraham, and how God has continued to act in covenant faithfulness to that promise to Abraham, in which we see that nations will be blessed from you, kings will come from you, right? And we see that ultimately fulfilled in Christ. And so we continue, and... So there's an and. So it's not just to the circumcised. In, order, in other words, to the Jews that Christ became a servant. But why else? Verse 9. And in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. So those who are ultimately on the outside, who are not a part of the covenant people of God, who are, have not descended from Abraham... Christ became a servant that they too might be grafted in. That's us, church. And so he continues on and he quotes from the law, prophets, and writings showing through the entirety of God's word how God has purposed all along to draw in the Gentiles, to bring in the nations that they may rightly praise him, that we might rightly praise him and find our joy in rejoicing in him. And so that's where we find ourselves again here in verse 13. So in light of all that, may the God of hope fill you with all, that is incompleteness, joy. So the completeness of joy is found in Christ. So then... It's not just joy that he fills us with. It's not just the completeness of joy. But what else? May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. And that's where we find ourselves this morning. The Advent theme of peace. Where does all the completeness of peace come from? Let's in that next little statement there. In believing. 
So the God of hope fills us with these things through our faith in Christ. So I want us to see the first thing this morning. Peace is the fruit of belief. Christ became a servant to show God's truthfulness and to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God and in believing in this and seeing it revealed in his word and having our, our minds and our hearts enlightened and being drawn by the Holy Spirit to repentance and to come to faith in Christ and believing in that, the God of hope fills us with the completeness of joy and peace. Now you might say with this first point, aren't you just recycling the first point from last week? And I would say yes, again, because it's all joy and peace. So peace is the fruit of belief. If we don't have faith, we said last week, we have no joy. Because it's, it's all the joy, it's all the completeness of joy is found in believing. The God of hope fills us with that in believing. And so here we are again. The fruit, what is produced from our faith that is given us in Christ, peace. So just as good, right, resounding joy is produced in us through our faith in Christ, so also is peace. This thing which we have, again, said at the outset here, it's, it's not attainable in and of ourselves. It's not attainable by some substance or person or thing of this world. However, there's some distinction that needs to be made here because the word peace can be used within different contexts. When I talk about having peace of mind and spirit, that's entirely different. That's an entirely different kind of peace than if I were to be talking about, say, the desire for peace in the Middle East or peace between Russia and Ukraine. Those are different, that's different kinds of peace. You see what I'm saying there? So what kind of peace is the God of hope filling us with here? As I've already said, I want us to see it's all joy and peace. So it's the completeness of peace. Well, how do we see that? So how does he do that? By the, so that, what does that produce? As, as we are filled with all joy and peace... The power of the Holy Spirit that works within us so that we may abound in hope. So what does this link between joy and peace look like? And as it's producing in us, as the Holy Spirit is resounding and reciprocating all of this within us, what does that look like? I want you to turn to the book of Galatians chapter 5. Should be a very, what is a very prominent and well-known passage here where we see expounded for us the fruit of the Spirit. Maybe you memorized it in vacation Bible school as a child or Sunday school. Nonetheless, in Galatians chapter 5, as Paul is telling the churches dispersed throughout the region of Galatia on how to keep in step with the Spirit and not gratify the desires of the flesh, he lists out what the desires of the flesh are. So what are some, some signs that you're seeking to gratify the desires of the flesh and you're living in the flesh? He lists those out. Of course, this is not an exhaustive list. Otherwise, I mean, that would take up a lot more than just the book of Galatians. Nonetheless, 
we move on and we see the idea here is not to gratify desires of the flesh, but to keep in step with the Spirit. So now we get, well, what are, what are signs, what are fruit that the Spirit is at work in you? Verse 22 of chapter 5. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So those who belong to Christ have crucified that list of indulgent fleshliness that comes before the fruit of the Spirit. So they've crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And if we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So those who, have, who are one with Christ have crucified the flesh, no longer seeking to, to indulge and gratify the desires of the flesh, but now instead are producing this fruit of the Spirit. And so the power of the Holy Spirit is working in us as the God of hope in, upon our belief and our faith in, in Christ is filling us with all peace and all joy. Well, now the Holy Spirit, the helper, comes along and is now continually producing these things in us. So the challenge here, though, is this. These are clear gospel indicators that the Spirit of God is working in us. So what if we're not seeing this fruit by how we talk to one another, by how we relate to one another, by how we talk and relate to those outside of our circle, by how we think, by how we act? What if these fruits or this singular fruit of the Spirit is not being clearly produced Also, maybe if you've been searching for these things in all the wrong places, the answer is that instead of trying to find or manufacture these things, that is, these fruit, this fruit of the Spirit, this love, this joy, this peace, this patience, this kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, I think we look at that list and we say, we all want that. And we can also look at that list and say, none of us have been able to achieve any of this, to find any lasting sense of those things on our own, through our own efforts. We've not been able to find any lasting sense of these things in any substance or person or thing or activity. Now, maybe we've all tried, sure. So maybe if you've been searching for these things, in all the wrong places, the answer is that instead of trying to find or manufacture these things on your own, you need to repent and believe that you may find ultimate satisfaction in the one who fills us with these things in Christ. So what does this tell us about the relationship between joy and peace? It tells us that joy and peace are inextricably linked to our hope. So the God of hope fills us with these things, all joy and peace, and that by the power of the Holy Spirit, as these things continue to reproduce, we continually produce these things. 
Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And we abound in what? We abound in hope. Joy and peace are inextricably linked to our hope. Now, if you go back to our main text for this morning, stay there in verse 13 of Romans 15. I want us to see the the nuances of what type of all-encapsulating peace is provided us in Christ. Because this is not simply a self-serving peace that helps us to be content with ourselves. This is not a self-serving peace Peace, which is devoid of any sense of repentance or sanctification. This is not a type of self-serving peace which says that I'm good just as I am and I can just rest in this. That's the type of peace that we see ad nauseum in the secular world. And unfortunately and increasingly we see that type of false peace in many churches. As we're brought to faith in Christ by the supernatural working of the Spirit to pierce our hearts with the Word of God. Remember what we saw last week in Romans 10. Faith comes from hearing and hearing through the Word of Christ. As we're brought to faith upon our salvation, we are indwelt by the Holy Spirit who continues this supernatural work of sanctification in us providing us all necessary hope and endurance. And this is what Christmas was, is, and forever will be about. Our redemption. Again, you might be saying to yourself at this point, where where is Christmas in this? Again, that was the contextualization for us in looking back again and rooting ourselves in verse 8. For I tell you that Christ became a servant. That's Christmas. And so this is what Christmas was, is, and forever will be about. Our redemption. God being with us, which would be a huge theme for tonight's candlelight service from John 1. Shameless plug. Consider this. Jesus, who was and is one with God the Father, says this, I will never leave you nor forsake you, says all authority has been given unto me and behold, I am with you always, even to the end of the age, says in John 15, 26, but when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. So as Christ became a servant, lived the life that we couldn't live, died the death we couldn't die, was raised from the grave to sit at the right hand of God the Father. The God of hope, as we believe in this, fills us with all joy and peace, So that by the power of the Holy Spirit, whom he left as our helper, as the one to point us to the truth, the spirit of truth, and who proceeds from the Father and bears witness about Christ, he helps us to abound in hope as he just continually reciprocates these things of joy and peace and love and patience and kindness, faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. He is Emmanuel, God with 
us. Jesus, one with God the Father, steps into human flesh to become a servant at the right time. Sends the third person of the Trinity, the Spirit, to be with us always. So the God of hope fills us with all joy and peace in believing. And the Spirit is at work in us from that moment, perpetually producing more joy and more peace. Now, I want you to see this, church. I want us all to see this. I want us all to see how every theme of Advent, hope, love, joy, peace, is so beautifully displayed in Christ. I want us to see the triune work that is our salvation and sanctification. I want us to marvel at Christmas. I want us to marvel that it is not just an inner, personal, spiritual peace which we have in Christ, but an all-encompassing peace. So if you'll turn back in your Bibles just a few pages to Romans chapter 5, we see this on full display. This all-encompassing peace which the God of hope fills us with. How does he do it? How did he accomplish it for us? Romans chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith. So, again, typically we see that word therefore and we're like, go back and see what it's there for. This is one of those times where Paul just kind of helped us in that. So, the therefore is that we have been justified by faith. That's what he's been talking about all leading up to this. So he kind of gave us a little footnote there at, at this one. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. At the right time. Don't miss Christmas in that statement. Because in order for Christ to die at the right time, he must have been sent at the right time, at the providential working of God the Father. So how do we see this here in these verses? This, this personal, all-encompassing peace We've been justified by faith. That's continuing in complete uh, agreement with what we've seen there in chapter 15 over and over again. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. We've been justified by faith. We have what, therefore? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So how are we filled with personal peace by the God of hope? Because as we've said, it's not just personal peace that we have. How are we filled with that peace of mind, that peace of spirit? 
Because in Christ, the God of hope has fully satisfied his own wrath that there may be peace between us and him. This is the peace of Christmas. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This Christmas we can be filled with peace because of the peace that exists between us and God through Christ. So let's walk through this and break down real quick the triune work that is our salvation and sanctification and how we see this at work in Christmas. Now this sums up everything that we've been building to this Advent season. And so there's three main parts to this that I want to break down for us. And so we can kind of look here at what we've seen in chapter 5. We go back to our main text, which is verse 13. And we see there, we see there in verse 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Believing in who and what? In Christ. So there we got God, the God of hope, this God the Father, in believing Christ, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. So let's break this down. In Christ, the God of hope has masterfully displayed his love. That's one of our themes of Advent right there. That's two weeks ago, love. We looked at Ephesians 2, verses 1 through 10, where we see, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. We were looking at what was the motivation of Christmas. What prompted Christmas? What prompted God to send Christ at the right time to die for the ungodly? It wasn't us. We said the dead don't motivate. Verse 4 of Ephesians 2, But God, being rich in mercy because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. So in Christ, the God of hope has masterfully displayed his love. That's Christmas. Christmas, God says, here is love. Christ. So what does that do? We continue. In Christ, the God of hope has masterfully displayed his love that in believing we may be filled with all joy and peace. So in believing in that love that he has displayed us in Christ, we are then filled with these things which we could not have in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy, find joy in God For his mercy, rejoice in God, praising the Lord. We couldn't do that, and not only could we not do it, we didn't want to do it outside of Christ. But the God of hope masterfully displayed his love that we might be filled with all joy and peace. So he made peace between us and him that we might know what true all-encompassing peace is. Not just that we have inner peace, peace of mind, peace of spirit, but that we can have peace with our brothers and sisters, that we can have peace in our relationships, that we can have all-encompassing peace and find all of our joy in him. So, in Christ, the God of hope has masterfully displayed his love that in believing we may be filled with all joy and peace, causing us, because again, that's the causation of all of this. 
That's the so that statement of our main text, of verse 13. So that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope, causing us to abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. The real peace of Christmas is ultimately that we get peace with God through the blood-bought atonement of Jesus. We can't look at Christmas without looking at it through the lens of the cross. Because the cross was always in full view at Christmas. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. Born of a woman, born under the law to redeem those under the law. Praise God that Christmas is not some superficial celebration of a romanticized version of worldly peace, but is instead the celebration of true, eternal peace provided through Christ our Savior. Where do we see this? How was this on full display? This peace which God was making, this peace which man could not have, could not attain on our own, but which God initiated and forged upon his own setting his love on us that we might set our love on him, where do we see that? You can go all the way back to Isaiah chapter 9. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. It's Isaiah 9, 6 through 7. So, for years, faithful remnant that the Lord forged through the Babylonian exile anxiously looked forward to seeing these promises. I want you to turn to Luke chapter 2. Because here we have one of my favorite parts of the Christmas story, which is a very much unsung part of the Christmas story. It's often not looked at as part of the Christmas story, but it most certainly is. In Luke chapter 2, if you go to verse 22, we see the story of a man named Simeon. Simeon was part of that faithful remnant, anxiously looking for these prophecies from Isaiah to be fulfilled, anxiously looking and waiting for the Lord's faithfulness to his covenant, for those promises to be confirmed, those promises to the patriarchs, which Paul talks about in our main text of Romans 15, 13. So the time had come, this is days after the main part of the Christmas story, and they brought him up to Jerusalem Present him to the Lord. So they're following Jewish customs. As it is written, the law of the Lord. So they're following the law. Every male who first opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what is said in the law of the Lord. 
So again, we're walking in accordance with God's law, with God's word. And this is Jesus' parents, Mary and Joseph here. They're coming to Jerusalem. Now there was a man in Jerusalem, this is verse 25, whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. So there it is. He was anxiously looking for that, those promises to the patriarchs to be fulfilled. Anxiously looking for those words uttered through the prophet Isaiah to be consummated. So he's righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. Verse 26, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up. So just don't miss the reality of what's happened there, right? If you're Jesus' parents in this moment, as you're bringing the Christ, to follow in accordance and obedience with the law. And this man just takes up your child in his arms and blesses God and said, and this is what I don't want us to miss, is Simeon's words here in verses 29 through 32. Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. This is the peace of Christmas so that we can find our joy in him. We who are ultimately on the outside we who were dead in our trespasses and sins have been brought near by the blood of Christ. And that plan was brought about at the right time according to the providential working of God the Father in the incarnation in Christmas. So as we gather around our family settings whether you've already begun that process or as if that process is happening tonight or, or tomorrow morning or in the days ahead, don't let the common traditions of this season drown out the overwhelming realities laid out for us in Christ the love, the joy, the hope, the peace, which is ultimately being provided us in Christmas. So as you open every present, may your mind not be on the temporary happiness that that present brings, but may your mind continually be on the grace of God to provide you the common graces that we'll enjoy over these next few days, but ultimately the grace of God to provide salvation in Christ, to provide for you peace between us and him, that we may find our joy in him. This is Christmas, church. So may your peace be abundant and may it cause you to be abundant in hope as the Holy Spirit is working in you. 
course, the question that hangs in the balance there is, is the Holy Spirit in you? And are you anxiously awaiting these promises? And are you resting in the peace that Simeon so joyously pronounces here? Let's pray. God, we love you. As we continue to celebrate Christmas, I pray that you would help us to not lose our focus on what all of this is actually about. I pray that you would help us to be restlessly peaceless unless our peace is in you. So Lord, if there's anyone here who does not have that true peace, who has not been filled with all joy and peace because they have not believed, I pray, Lord, that you would draw them to repentance, that your spirit would work within them, pierce their hearts by the truth of your word and bring them unto repentance and salvation. Lord, for those of us who have, I pray, God, that you would help us to eternally and continually have this right understanding of what true Christian hope looks like, what true love looks like in Christ, what true peace and joy look like. And as you fill us with these things, I pray that your spirit would be continually at work in us as we continually seek you through your word, as we continue to seek you through fellowship with our brothers and sisters in Christ, that the spirit would be at work within us, continually producing this fruit, which would be so blatantly obvious to all who see us, that it may continually bring more praise and glory to your name. We rejoice in you and we thank you for the peace of Christmas. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.